0: Welcome to this Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm John McClain, and I can be reached at McClain underscore on underscore NFL.
1: I'm Greg Rajan. I can be reached at Greg Rajan, R-A-J-A-N, on Twitter.
0: Greg, we spent time on Friday listening to Deshaun Watson's first news conference since the first day after the 2020 season. What I was interested in was what he said about a few things, especially why he wanted out of Houston and he didn't give a direct answer. I knew he wasn't going to blame Jack Easterby and the team was going to be awful, but uh, I was really surprised the Browns didn't tell him to say because of the legal situation, I can't answer any questions about what happened with the lawsuits. Instead, they put him up there and let him struggle through a lot of questions that were asked him from every possible angle. What did you think about what you saw from Watson?
1: I thought some of Watson, Watson's uh, demeanor and his, uh, basically his, his words came across as tone deaf, trying to tell me, trying to say that it wasn't about the, uh, the contract in Cleveland, that he didn't know anything about the money till the end, that you know the, the agent was negotiating it, the, about his departure from the Texans, talking about they were both going in different directions. I mean, you just signed a four-year extension with them four months earlier. It seemed like they were going in the same direction then. I mean, I, I don't know. And then it just, I mean, hes he says he's not going to settle these lawsuits. He's apparently hell-bent on proving his innocence, or he, he believes he's completely innocent. I mean, I'll be honest, John. I was very impressed with the Cleveland media because they, they were dogged. There were no softball questions thrown at him, and, I mean, they were they were going all in on Deshaun Watson, Andrew Berry, and Kevin Stefanski about, you know, why this deal got done, the due diligence, asking Deshaun Watson why he needed so many massage therapists, things like that.
0: I thought I was surprised when he said he had no regrets. I thought he might say, you know, I'm gonna make sure now that I'm with the Browns, I make better decisions. And uh he kept saying over and over he, did, he never done anything to disrespect women, um, and that's fine. That's what he was supposed to say. you were right about that thing. If his nose, if he'd been Pinocchio, his nose would have grown across the room when he said that the contract had nothing to do with it. Two hundred thirty million guaranteed, the most in history. And another thing I found quite preposterous was the general manager, Andrew Barry, claiming. That the first year base salary of 1.035 million had nothing to do with a possible suspension by Commissioner Roger Goodell. Look, suspension is your money, comes out of your base salary, not your bonus. They did the smart thing. They lowered his bonus so he would lose minimal amount of money if he suspended. I don't know why Andrew Barry wouldn't just come out and own it. Yes. That's what we did. So you could tell they'd been prepped. You could tell they were uncomfortable. It was very awkward in a lot of situations. Kevin Stefanski was the one that was the most direct when he was talking about how they wanted to get to work with Watson and start thinking about the football stuff to maximize his performance. But I think when they signed Jacoby Brissett and traded Case Keenum to Buffalo, they knew there was a good chance Brissett's going to start some games next year while he's suspended. But overall, I'm glad they just had it. I'm glad it's over with. Uh, You know Watson's glad it's over with, but the civil suits are not. You know, I don't know how he cannot settle. There's nothing to keep the Cleveland media from trying to uh, call Tony Busby and ask him to talk to the plaintiffs, his clients, and have them make their allegations all over again to the media until – they reach settlements or until every case goes to court, Greg, they're not going to be able to put this behind them.
1: Yeah, that's very true. And the Browns owners, Jimmy and D Haslam, had their own media availability via Zoom this afternoon. And I don't think it went much better because they they said that they involved their daughters in the decision making with Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Berry, and uh, Paul D. Podesta, who's another Browns executive uh, famous for his role in uh, Moneyball with the Oakland A's. Jimmy Haslam said he got and took advice to give his wife and his daughter's veto power over the trade. So I guess they're using their daughters as shields to justify this trade. I don't know. It's just it's a bad look for the Browns today. But it's kind of a deal where you got to rip off the Band-Aid and this thing was going to happen. So for you're right. For Deshaun Watson, it's out of the way. But the specter of these civil lawsuits is not going away anytime soon.
0: Greg, you know, I know, everybody listening knows at some point He'll have it behind him. And the people who were asking all those negative questions today will be writing about the Browns winning. They'll sell out First Energy Stadium. He'll get standing ovations. That's the way it's been with Tyreek Hill, Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt, Frank Clark, Roberto Asuna. uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, There's been so many. Leonard Little killed a grandmother driving drunk and paid his dues, went to the slammer, came out, won a Super Bowl, got standing ovations. The bottom line, fans and media are very forgiving because everybody loves a winner. And at some point, Watson is going to be able to become a great quarterback. It's going to be harder for him there, you know, playing all your games here indoors if they want the roof closed. in Jacksonville, Nashville, and indoors at Indianapolis is a whole lot different than playing on the banks of Lake Erie and going on the road to Cincinnati, Pittsburgh,
1: and Baltimore. That's very true, John. And uh, one other thing I noticed from this Deshaun Watson press conference, I think twice in the first minute that he spoke, he described himself as a servant leader. Then he did it again a third time later when he also plugged his book saying, I I wrote a book about being a servant leader. Uh, Not the best time for
0: a book promo. Greg, there's one thing we didn't hear him promote, and that was lefties cheesesteaks. I'm John McLean. You can reach me at McLean underscore
1: on underscore NFL. I'm Greg Rogin. You can reach me at Greg Rogin, R A J A N, on Twitter. Greg, thank you very much. Thanks everybody for listening, reading,
0: and watching.